0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome in to the NBA front office show, kicking off a new week in the NBA. Oh, boy. I think this is the calm before the storm of the NBA trade deadline right now. Rumors, they're starting to pick up a little bit. There's a little bit out there, but I think over the next week or so, we're going to see business really pick up around the league, which means it's a great time to subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. And then follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where you're listening to podcasts. Do both things. Follow us on the podcast platforms as well as the YouTube channel. Great way to help out the show. And then over on the podcast side, give us that rating and review. As well. I know that's a lot to do on a checklist. Follow us two places, rating review, but that's a way that you can help us out. Oh, oh, and before I forget, hit that like button on YouTube too. (laughs) While you're at it, why not? Let's throw another thing on top of that. Hit that like button too. Uh, I'm Trevor Lane. Joining me is Keith Smith. Keith, a, a new week. And, uh, I'm excited about the possibilities that this week brings.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am waiting for you to be like, hey, and I need my dry cleaning picked up. I need to yeah, yes. get <laughs> run to this activity. You're just assigning our, our viewers and listeners, all these tasks to do. And you're like, you know, here, here we go. But we're not asking much. You're, you're already here. No. One more click. Well, uh, one, one more press of the thumb or the finger is very easy and just get, get us going, you know, help us out here on the show. But yeah. A lot of stuff going on. It's funny, I had someone say nothing's happening what's going on and i was like we didn't even get to trade deadline day before like we got the this is boring why are there no trades we've already had multiple big trades uh go on you know the raptors did a lot of their business early we're going to get into it a little bit later in the show but they've got some more work it sounds like they're at least open to doing so it's not going to be trades every day or every couple days generally it's about two weeks out things start to pick up a little bit i Mm -hmm. think we'll probably get one more decent sized trade that will come in sometime within two weeks to two days out. And then it's two days out is when things really get busy. But I did want to before we get into the news, part of why I think we're seeing some teams make moves early here is what the standings look like in each conference. Uh-huh. We're starting to see a little bit of, I would say, separation in, in, on each side. So in the East, you've got the Celtics are three and a half games up on the Bucks. But then you've got the Bucks, Sixers, and Cavs that are all within three games of each other. The Knicks are three and a half back. Then you have a group of the Heat, Pacers, and Magic. That's the six, seven, eight group that are all within a game of each other. Uh, the Bulls, Hawks, Nets, Raptors. Raptors starting to follow up, maybe just a little bit uh, there. But that's kind of your bottom of your playing. And then in the West, it feels like we've kind of got uh, four teams atop the conference. Timberwolves, thunder nuggets and here are the clippers uh, after they continue to just be on a toward pace then you've got what is it four or five teams here that are super tight in the next group from five to eight pelicans mavericks Suns, and kings and then lakers jazz rockets warriors are tight right around the playing line so i think that could be why we're seeing some teams being a spot where it's Let's be early movers because not only are we getting the benefit of we traded for this player, but we get an extra two, three weeks, four weeks in the case of the Knicks and OG Ananobi of having this guy on the roster. So I think that's why you may see maybe some more bigger moves here over the next uh, week, let's call it, before we really get in uh, closer to trade deadline range just because of how compact the standings are on both sides.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point. There's a lot of teams that are very motivated or incentivized to try to get stuff done. And the sooner you get it done, the better. I, I've always felt like, I mean, I guess it's its a, there's pros and cons to this, but I've felt like, especially the last few seasons, like the NBA trade deadline needs to be sooner. Like, because once you make your moves, there's not a lot of time left in, in the schedule. You're way—you're yeah. well past the halfway point. And, but on, on the flip side, Teams want more time to figure out who they are and figure out exactly what they need at the trade deadline and and all of that. So that's a factor too. But I wouldn't mind seeing it pushed up by a week or two so that teams, after they make their deadline moves, it has a little bit more time for whatever effect that is, whether it's you want to start to tank and you want to start to drop back, whether it's you're going for it, whatever it is that you're doing at the trade deadline, I'd like to see there be a little bit more time in the schedule for those things to actually make a difference.
2: Yeah, so you're saying almost like right around now, right? Right at the yeah. halfway point of the regular season. I think everybody other than the Warriors, we know they've been going through a couple postponed games because of the death of an assistant coach. Everybody else is pretty much right at the halfway point or past it now. So I, I kind of get that thought process of then if, if you moved it up a little. I think, I think the teams would come back with uh, – we're just – really figuring out who we are yeah. coming out of the holidays and the new year and all that. So I, I could be okay with that. I, I'm glad it's ahead of the all-star break. Uh, that was always weird. Like that Marcus Cousins situation when he got traded and was told after the all-star game, like in his media scrum, right. like, you got traded because it happened like during the game. Like that's, right. that's not great. So I'm glad they moved it up to there. And then that gives everybody really kind of a, stress-free all-star break period you can just be like all right, no trade rumors we're all done so that yeah, i'm all right with where it is but i i can see the thought process process behind let's maybe move it up a little bit
1: yeah yeah well uh it's going to get interesting and like you said there are plenty of teams that right now are, are incentivized to make moves to do something to try to move up in the standings there are some teams that are maybe incentivized to move back in the standings as well uh in order to to sell off pieces One of those, um, which I I guess let's jump in here because uh, this kind of leads us right to it. Bruce Brown, uh, are the Raptors a team that could be looking to take a little bit of a step back or not necessarily be as concerned with getting wins this year because it sure feels like they're ready to flip Bruce Brown by the trade deadline? And and now, keynote, he can't be aggregated with other trades because he was just brought in from the Indiana Pacers or with other players. Um, So that's important to note when we're looking at a Bruce Brown trade. But it sure seems like the, the Raptors are on are ready to you know say, hey, welcome and see you later, Bruce Brown.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think um I think what we could see happen here is Toronto try to put themselves in a little bit better of a position to maybe keep that protected pick that they mm-hmm. owe to um the San Antonio Spurs. That pick is top six protected. This year. Now there are some of them who have suggested maybe they just want to get that pick out of the way and then that frees up that obligation. But I think if you're Toronto, if you're really kind of saying all right, we're we're resetting here around Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Jakob Pertle, let's add one more good high draft pick. Either we'll draft the player or then we have another trade trade asset to, to use in a trade. So as it stands right now, they are sitting, I think it's seventh in the league, but they're right there with Memphis. Like they're a half game up on Memphis, half game behind, depending on how you want to look at it. They're half game away from Memphis. So we've got Detroit, Washington, San Antonio, Charlotte. Those are your worst teams. Portland uh, is behind those teams, but kind of a few games off of those teams. Then you've got Memphis and Toronto. So Toronto's right there straddling that line. On the flip side, Toronto is now two and a half back of the Hawks for the final Play in point. So I think we're closer to seeing the Raptors say, forget it, let's let's go. Let's let's really I don't think it's they're too far away from bottoming out completely. Like you're not catching one of the top teams. But if we can get down to six and Memphis passes us, mm-hmm. that just increases the chances of us keeping our pick. And making it making a little bit better, so I, I think we could see that be the direction it goes with them. Now, it only takes one team at that point to jump you, and then you move. Yeah. Maybe they think they can be bad enough that they can kind of get ahead of both Memphis and Portland. Uh, that's a little bit of a challenge because that's, that's quite a big drop yeah, there, three for and a half up. You'd have to play pretty terrible, and have Portland, start winning some games kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, but again, maybe. Right. We, we, we don't know where they're thinking. So where that relates to Bruce Brown, I think that is probably not a big part of the future in Toronto. Mm -hmm. If the team wants to give up a, it sounds like uh, Mark Stein had the asking price as a first round pick and a young player. If that's what the, and then that's probably also matching salary because young players Mm -hmm. not going to match 22 million. So, but the matching salary is, that's easy enough for most teams to figure out. So if that's where the direction is going to be is get us a young player and a first-round pick for Bruce Brown, that's just to me, we're we're not really concerned with winning games. Because if you were, you'd just keep Bruce Brown and then figure it out this summer with his team option.
1: Do you see them actually getting that for Bruce Brown, a young player plus a first-round? To me, that and they, they're totally fine that they ask for that. I think I would just be surprised if they actually get that while acknowledging that not all first-round picks are created equal, not all young players are created equal. Like That has to be factored in. But on the surface, that that feels like a lot.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's one or the other. I, I think maybe the way you could incent getting a getting both is if you took on a contract that went past this year. So mm-hmm. if you took on a contract similar to Browns in size, maybe it's a somewhere between sixteen and twenty five million dollar contract. Yeah. If you could do that, then you're kind of thinking, all right, well, we got we got one meaning a young player for Brown. And then we get the pick for eating the contract. Maybe that's how you can plus up that return. But I think right now it's probably one or the other Uh, right now. I I just, I don't know. I like Bruce Brown quite a bit. I just don't know that I'm giving up both of those unless I'm a team that has a young player that is completely buried in my rotation that Toronto has a lot of interest in where it's like, this guy's never going to play enough for us here it's just not going to happen maybe we we could make something work like uh i I don't know uh chicago i'm just making this up but chicago is dalen terry who hasn't played very much for them if 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 toronto was like yeah i really kind of like dalen terry let's go we'll we'll take him as the young player somebody else and then we'll really give you a pick because maybe we don't really care about dalen terry because he's not going to play maybe something like that happens but yeah the standard like you know, give me a really good young player in a in a in a first round pick. That's probably not going to be a thing.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what if what happens with Bruce Brown's deal next year? He's got a team option. I off the top of my head, I think it's twenty three million next season. Yep. Does that get picked? I mean, obviously it depends on what team he's on. But that was an interesting wrinkle that Indiana threw in when they gave him this big contract. Is a team that's trading for him, do you think they're likely going to trade for him with the idea that they're going to pick up that team option for next year? Or they're trading for him saying, hey, we can, we can essentially look at this guy as an expiring contract and then give us a little bit more flexibility in the summertime?
2: Yeah, you hit on it before when you said it depends on who it is. Because if it's a yeah. team that has designs around cap space, let's say it was Philadelphia, for example, I think Philadelphia is more likely to say we're going to decline that team option and we'll go the cap space route instead. If it's a team that is very capped out and they have no chance at cap space, uh, well, let's just say it was your Lakers got him. I think that's maybe a little more likely to be picked up because then if nothing else, that's 23 million of expiring salary you could use in a trade next year. Sure. So I think it really is highly dependent on which team gets him. There's also a third option, and this would probably be more Bruce Brown dependent of, You get him and you're like, hey, we really like you. We want to keep you here. We can't do 23 million, but we can do like three years, 35 million or something Mm -hmm. like that. Then maybe maybe you decline that option with the deal in hand of knowing we're going to resign you using your non-bird rights. Because the nice thing is at 22 million, his non-bird rights, that gives a team any ability to offer him anything Really north of the mid-level exception plus more, so you're 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 really moving into a range where yeah we can really offer this guy quite a bit of money here, Ah. um, and that gives them a leg up on re-signing him to a longer-term deal.
1: That's a good point that I hadn't considered. With the non-bird, you can still it doesn't matter that you don't have his full bird rights. You can go over the cap to sign him because you can still give him you can give him a raise, obviously off of that twenty-two million. Typically, we think of of your non-bird rights coming to play with the player who's on a a smaller salary, yeah, and like then you're five like or six million, yeah, right. And then we're and then we're saying, well, they can give him this much, but it's not enough, you know, not enough of an increase. But with a guy who Indiana probably they probably overpaid this year in order to get oh, that team, that that team option. Yeah. Um, then those non bird rights suddenly become a lot more interesting and a lot more flexible. That's a yeah, good point
2: com- compared to someone like Miles Bridges. If Miles Bridges is traded, and we're going to keep all of the. Non basketball stuff out of this, because everybody mm. by this point should know where you and I stand on that. So if you're just talking Miles Bridges basketball player, you trade for him, he loses his bird rights, so now you only have his non bird rights. Well, his non bird rights coming off like a under nine million dollar contract, that's not very attractive, right? That feels like uh, we're not. That's not enough for us to get you resigned. You're probably looking to get at least the mid level exception from somebody or the mid level exception equivalent. From a team, but, but Brown, his non-bird rights are more than enough to resign him. And then on a non-bird rights contract too, you, you can go as many as four years on that. So that's also another piece where I think you would really uh, be looking at that and saying, all right, you know, that's a, but we can get to a reasonable number. And that's, I, I just think that's been overlooked maybe a little bit in sure. discussing what kind of trade asset he is, because we focus on the idea of, well, you can just wipe his contract completely off the books. And certainly a team can do that, but you may be able to do that and then cut his number in half. And then you're in a really good position moving forward. If you're a team.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, and that is something that I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think that's being talked about nearly enough with Bruce Brown as an option. I think most people see, well, you either, you're going to use him as cap space. As a as a way to clear cap space for next year, or you're going to keep him at 23 million. But that third option that could be really attractive for teams, especially if he goes somewhere where he's willing to stay long term. Um, all right, let's jump over to a, another team on the trade market here, and let's uh, let's jump over to my Lakers, it, it are arguably the biggest name out there on the trade market right now, Dejounte Murray. The Lakers' offer for Murray has been uh, revealed. And uh, Mark Stein confirmed this. This goes along with everything that I've heard as well, specifically from the Lakers side. They're not going to put Austin Reeves into a DeJounte Murray trade, uh, but they are trying to build something around D'Angelo Russell. Uh, It would include D'Angelo Russell, Jalen Huchifino, their 2029 first round pick, and perhaps a pick swap as well uh, in the deal in order to get DeJounte Murray to the Lakers with the Hawks side of things, the uh, holdup being that the Hawks don't really want D'Angelo Russell because they're concerned that Russell might pick up his uh, player option for next season. And so what they want to do is move D'Angelo Russell to a third team and have an expiring contract come to them instead. And D'Lo has been blowing up. He's been averaging 27 points per game over the last five games. He can be extremely streaky, though. We know he's capable of doing this. But it's interesting to note that right before the trade deadline, he's he's been going off. Um, so that's where things are at right now for DeJounte Murray. Now, there's a lot of teams that will be interested in him. As I said, he's probably the biggest name. Out there on the market currently, and obviously that can change. And we could argue Zach Levine as well as, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of interest in him. So, Keith, what are your thoughts on kind of where the Lakers' offer sits uh, and their the current situation with the the Dejounte Murray trade front?
2: Yeah, and, and I want to say too, I think it was Mike Scotto of Type, who was one. He was, I think, the first one I saw that said it would be contingent on the Hawks surrounding yeah. To, to take Russell or the Hawks having a second deal lined up after, uh, to move Russell. So I, from, a in a vacuum, I think it's a pretty fair offer. I, I don't have a huge issue with it. I think if you're Atlanta, of course, you'd want a little bit more cause you gave up far more than that to get to Murray. But I think you have to look at it on its face and say, uh, we're not going to walk away from a pretty good offer. Just, because it's not what we gave up. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take a loss and you move on from that. So I think a Lakers pick, I've been saying this for a while, give me those Lakers picks that are further out. Cause we have no idea what the Lakers will be by then. Like it's, sure. there's a good chance they're going to be fine. Cause they're the Lakers and they will probably be, be pretty good. But five years from now, six years from now, I, I don't know. So I think that part's good, but I get it from the, Additional piece of they gotta have something lined up because obviously, if Murray and Trey Young is not a good good backcourt match, Russell and Trey Young is certainly not a good backcourt match, and then what I start to look at is where 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 for D'Angelo Russell, right? Like what team wants him? Like, where could he go? And I think the mm-hmm. problem that also makes the market a little bit murky on that is. You've got Malcolm Brogdon available. You've got Tyus Jones available. You have Murray available. These guys aren't all the same players, but they all are point guard, ball handler, primary creators of offense. Where it is, what would you rather have, Malcolm Brogdon? Would you rather have Tyus Jones? Uh, would you, you know, if could you jump in and beat this offer and get Dejounte Murray? And that's, I think, where the problem comes in: is what happens with finding a team to take on Murray. And that's why this could drag out a little bit
0: because mm-hmm. this
2: could be almost one where it's, all right, well, let's see if Brogdon situation resolves itself. Let's see if the wizards move Jones, then all of a sudden it may be, well, you know what? We still need a scoring guard. All right. We're, we're willing to jump in on D'Angelo Russell now, which then kind of greases the skids to let's move this and get this whole thing happening and get these uh, trades. moving. So, let me ask you
1: this: for, In the Lakers' situation right now, D'Angelo Russell has a player option this summer. We talked all about it. We talked about it in Vegas uh, at the wind Studio that the Lakers, in the in agreeing to this deal with D'Angelo Russell, essentially they were putting him on the trade market. As soon as he signed that contract, you knew he was going to be on the trade market. Uh, are they now in a position where they kind of have to trade D'Angelo Russell because they're in a tough spot? Like if he keeps playing the way he's been recently, he's opting out of that contract, and that's the ideal situation for him to opt out. We talked about the Lakers cap situation over on Lakers Nation the other day, uh, last week, and the money's pretty tight. If he opts out and wants more money, I don't know the Lakers can give him that without going over that second-tier apron. That's going to get pretty tricky. So are they now in a spot where they kind of have to move him by the by the deadline?
2: Yeah, it's, I hadn't really given it a lot of thought on the opt-out because I think he was playing poor enough earlier he, he in the was. season that it was... He's probably going to opt into that. And that's the thing. Danny LaRue says this all the time about a player option is you trust the player will might will make the right decision for them. That may be the worst decision for the team because it may be like, uh, for example, Davis Bertans, he's going to opt in for next year. He, does, he barely plays. He's not worth the contract he has, even with the like guarantee on it. But he's going to opt in and take it. But then you have a guy like, LeBron's in a weird spot. So this isn't a Paul George. Paul George, if he hits free agency is going to opt out because he's Paul George and he's that good. So that's, that's a little bit of a different spot here where Russell, he kind of holds all that power right now of the ability, but he got it. Like you said, because the Lakers took the power away from him to block a trade. So the Lakers control that process. Do they have to trade him? I would say, no, they don't have to. But the challenge is exactly what you laid out. I don't think you're going to get next summer D'Angelo Russell saying, all right, I'll do it again. I'll do a one plus one right. and again, wave my no trade. Because he's going to be at some ways, like, either you want me here or you don't, right? Like right. I, I don't want to keep playing this game where the next six months of my life I am on the trade block. So I think there becomes a whole situation with with uh Russell of yeah, you probably would rather get it done now. That doesn't mean you're just giving him away, right? Exactly. And that doesn't mean you just have to, you know, toss him out the door. And if two weeks from now he's still playing great, if he's playing like he's played over the last week and a half or so, maybe you just say, man, eh, we're all right. We're just gonna keep him because no, and we'll these, deal with
1: what comes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And none of these guys plus picks in young play, none of them are enough of an upgrade over how he's been playing over the last couple of weeks. That that could be a little bit of fool's gold, right? Everybody has hot streaks, but he was a big part of the turnaround last season. So I it really is a complicated situation.
1: It is. And how they navigate this and how the Hawks navigate this with DeJounte sure. Murray, they don't have to move him right now. Nope. They can move him over the summer if they want to, if they're really determined to. Um, so how they navigate this is going to be absolutely fascinating to watch. Uh, I was hearing optimism from the Lakers side that they thought there was a potential deal they could get done. Without Austin Reeves in it, I think that still exists. Um, the question is, what is that ultimately going to look like? Who would that third team be? How would that alt- uh, go down? And then, you know, there are other teams that are interested. I mean, I guess let's just talk about it. The Bucks are a team that that uh, was reportedly interested in Dejounte Murray. I don't see how they get him though. They, they <laughs> yeah, might be that's... interested, but I don't see I don't see how they how they get. Him. I am interested in a uh, jackpot winning lottery ticket, Keith. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: uh, I am very interested in that.
2: If we weren't married, this would have been the old, I am interested in Supermodel X here, right? Like,
1: I almost you know, went crazy. I almost went there and then I knew better. I went, no, I it's can't say that.
2: One of our wives watches this well, anyway. And mine's not actually in the room today. So I probably oh, could have okay. just gone there, right? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be good husbands. Yeah, it, they're interested for sure. But the problem is basically anything that they do would have to start with Bobby Portis who is a major key player for the Milwaukee Bucks? As far as being a, the, the he's the number one front court backup. If anything happens to mm-hmm. Lopez and or Giannis, he's the guy, he's the one who steps in right away for those two guys um, and, and picks up his minutes in a big, big way. I, somebody threw out to me, like, could they move Chris Middleton? I just don't see what that does for the Hawks. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. And yeah. other than that, Right. You're not trading Giannis. Obviously you're not trading Dame. You're 99% not trading Brooke Lopez. I'm pretty certain. So that really leaves probably Bobby Portis. And then maybe you could craft something around Pat Connaughton, but that would have to be Connaughton and like six guys that are making minimums. And then your problem runs into the Hawks have to then wave a whole bunch of players to eat, to bring in those salaries in an unbalanced trade. So I, I mean, sure, I get it, but I just don't see see where it comes from. What's funny enough is if this was – and it's odd because they're another team that's been mentioned for Mari is the Miami Heat. Now mm-hmm. the Heat's offer would presumably be around Kyle Lowry and his expiring contract, which does make some sense for Atlanta. But anytime I hear of a deal and I'm like, I don't see how they make the money work, unless it's Miami or sometimes Oklahoma City – I'm like, I just, I don't get it. I don't see where it's coming from. And then they do surprise me at times when it's like, okay, they kind of figured something sure. out here. But for now, I, yeah, I just find it hard to believe the Bucks have a reasonable path to DeJounte Murray. And this is where I'll pause and say any trade can be made in the NBA as far as finding the matching salary rules. If you're determined. About. Yeah. But there's a bunch that hey, this is just because it works in a trade machine doesn't mean it actually works.
1: Right. It, just conceptually I look at you know like I get it you want to put a strong defender next to Damian Lillard but DeJounte Murray like he's not the defender that he was with the Spurs maybe that comes back if he's on a team that doesn't need his offense as much and that's something that I think is could be a real thing and, and we see happen in the NBA but if I'm the Bucks, wouldn't like wouldn't the, the guy to go get be like Alex Caruso or something like that oh, yeah. and put him next to Dame. Wouldn't you yeah. rather do that? It, yeah. I don't know. It may not. It, may, it could be the bulls just say, Nope, we're not trading him period. That that's possible. But that type of player, wouldn't that be the the better move to make and the easier move to pull off salary wise?
2: I think so. You know, in, in my opinion, now the other problem for the bucks and any of these trades, they don't have draft picks to trade anymore because mm-hmm. they owe everything. So let's start in 2024. This year, it's either New Orleans can swap for it. Next year, they owe it to New Orleans or New York, depending on where it lands. 2026, New Orleans can swap for it. 2027, it goes to New Orleans. 2028, that pick they do have, so that can be kind of a weird place, but Portland, if Portland has moved to pick, Portland could swap for that pick. 2029, they owe to Portland. 2030 is a swap to Portland. You can trade a pick that is swapped, but they're encumbered by the Stepien rule because they Mm -hmm. owe an actual pick every other year. So Milwaukee is out of tradable first round picks. That also makes any one of these deals really hard for them to pull off. Now they did it last year. They got Jay Crowder because they traded, was it ultimately it ended up being like five second round picks or something like that? Five second round picks, yep. So maybe something like that could go down again. But I think if it's a guy, I'll use Crusoe because Crusoe's a guy, I can tell you talking to teams, like everybody's calling the Bulls, like what it'll take. And the Bulls know like, hey, we should be able to get a first rounder for him just because everybody wants him because his contract, super easily acquirable. And mm-hmm. he's a guy you could just plug into any number of roles. He could start start at the two. You could start him at the three. You could probably start him at the one. If you had other offense creators out there with him or you bring him off the bench and no matter what, he's going to be a great defender, decent shooter, decent ball hander, decent passer. He's going to fit right in. So I think the Bulls know, hey, we don't one, we don't need to move the guy. We're kind of playing all right right now. And two, if we do trade him, we're going to get better than here's 55 second round picks or here's kind of yucky matching salary.
1: Hmm. (laughs) I like that. Yucky matching salary.
2: that's that's what you put gonna, up in your background
1: what did i put up in my background oh <laughs> i didn't even mean to i put up a there that's a a signed magic johnson basketball nice and i was i was cycling through some of my images i was looking for my next <laughs> thing i was going to put up i didn't intend to put it up on the screen i love it but i i had that one saved and that's uh like there's good. there it is for everybody to see I, it,
2: at first I was like, wait, is it, I was like, it doesn't look like it says Alex Caruso it's like Trevor flexing that he owns an Alex Caruso. <laughs>
1: there's my, there's my <laughs> Alex Caruso signed basketball. No, it's a, it's a magic Johnson signed ball that I put up there. Here I'll uh, I'll switch that in just a moment here. let's. Uh, why don't you talk about the Knicks interest in Malcolm Brogdon and I'll get that all, all fixed up. Sure.
2: Yeah. So where this one comes out of it, it's multiple reporters have had this. I think what is very interesting on this uh, idea with Malcolm Brogdon, is the Knicks are are looking to bring in someone who is replacing Emmanuel quickly, scoring off the bench. Like they lost quite a bit of bench production when they traded quickly in the deal to get OG Ananobi. Now it's worked out fine; they've been great since getting Ananobi. So there's clearly no complaints uh, coming out of New York about that. But I think what's interesting is where do they go now? If it's a guy like Brogdon, anybody who makes that much money, you're starting with Evan Fournier. And this is where I want to pause for a second. Every time we mention this, somebody jumps in the comments is like, Evan Fournier stinks. He doesn't have that kind of value. It's not about that. You right. have to match salary. It'd be Fournier plus Quentin Grimes in a draft pick or something like that. And that's where I think that could get kind of interesting for Portland is Give us Fournier. We'll figure out that contract. Either we'll, we'll, we'll undo We'll decline his team option or we'll pick it up and trade him later. Uh, Grimes, not perfect in a deep uh, Portland backcourt, but, but we'll figure it out. We're young. We, we can sort through, through that and give us a pick. And it probably doesn't need to be a, one of the, great picks. That could probably be Mm -hmm. one of New York's own picks. Maybe the Dallas pick this year, something like that. it goes. go. So I think there could be a match here, but we've also heard them in on DeJounte Murray. We've heard them in on Bruce Brown. uh, That came out over the weekend. Bruce Brown was very funny. Like talked about how much he loves New York and respects Tom Thibodeau. So I I don't know. Yeah, he, he gets it. My question is, Bruce Brown seems like that's an awful lot of what you get from Josh Hart. Like I, I don't get that one necessarily where Brogdon would come mm-hmm. in and give you a very different player who could give you 15, 16 points off the bench easily.
1: Yeah, and you know what I, I mean. Getting to see Malcolm Brogdon last night when the Lakers took on the Blazers, uh, he's he's same. old Malcolm Brogdon I made mean, super yep. efficient, did all the things that you would you would expect him to do. I think the Blazers, first of all, I think he's going to get moved. I think I he's going to be traded by the trade deadline, and I think the Blazers will get a decent return for him. Uh, I, I think that he is such an easy plug and play guy at either guard position, especially whether you want to whether you need to start him, bring him off the bench, whatever you can do that. So I think that kind of versatility is going to really increase his market. Uh, the Knicks, again, I don't know that that's a, the best team to go after, but I, I could see I, I think there's probably going to be maybe 10 it uh, could be as many as 10 teams. I think that'll be interested in training for Malcolm Brogdon.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they have had conversations or anything. This is just me spitballing. Orlando should be trying to get Malcolm Brown down. Sure. He he would be a perfect fit because he doesn't detract from Franz and Paulo. He's not somebody who's going to come in and be like, all right, I need to eat up 30% usage here. He's not that kind of guard anymore, but he would solve a lot of the issues they have in their backcourt shooting wise. He's big enough that he can play either on or off ball. Uh, He can really guard, you know, he's not a great defender, but he's fine. I, I know that from his run with the Celtics last year, he can do what he needs to do, especially if he has other good defenders around him, which you would have in Orlando. So that that'd be somebody I'd really be pushing for if I was the magic, just because he makes so much sense and you're not locking into anything super long-term or, Forty plus million dollars, like a potential Zach Levine trade or anything like that. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, let's jump over to the Dallas Mavericks, who reportedly have some interest in trading for Kyle Kuzma. Now, Keith, the rumor is that the Wizards, who I mean they they could they could trade a bunch of guys at the <laughs> trade deadline, but that they would be looking for at least a couple of of first round picks in exchange for Kyle Kuzma. What would a deal look like between the Mavs and the Wizards? And then, is Kuzma the right target for Dallas?
2: I don't hate Kuzma for them. I I think uh, you have a couple defenders that can protect for him in in the lineup, whether it be Lively, if Mm -hmm. he's kind of the backline guy. You have X him when he gets back. You've got a guy like Josh Green. Luka's actually been playing pretty good defense this year for kind of the first time in his career. I think he's gotten a little more serious on that end uh, of the floor. So I think Kuzma could really help them. Grant Williams has not worked out. He was lights out in like the first two three weeks of the season yeah, he was and he's been terrible since then he he's like under 30 under 40 shooting overall and he's barely over 30 from threes coming off the bench now he just has not been very good so i don't hate kuzma there just to give them one more score score one more guy who can knock down shots a guy who if either luca or Kyrie Kyrie is out you can go to him, I think, in a playoff series. You probably structure it so two of the three are always on the floor, um, or at least at the very least one of the three is always out there. And, and I think his contract is pretty friendly too because it's that declining contract year to mm-hmm. year for Kuzma. So Dallas's problem is if they're going to hold two, we want two first-round picks. That's a little trickier for, for them because, again, they still have this outstanding pick to the Knicks. That'll probably convey this year. I'm fairly certain Dallas is going to be a playoff team. So that's going to go this year. Then they will pick in 2029 to the net. So that really kind of makes right now today, the only tradable pick their 2027 pick, mm-hmm. but there's ways you can, you can do some stuff. They, they also have a pick that can be swapped with San Antonio. So you could potentially figure out something down the line. If, if there was language you needed to write in or whatever, but that's where, You know, it's just when you owe future picks, it gets really tricky. And that's I think we're seeing some teams say we're not doing the seven years of pick protection anymore or even the four or five years like this needs to resolve in year one or two, because otherwise it just ties us up for too long.
1: Now, I was also looking at is there a player that might be worth a first round pick in terms of value that the Mavs could could give up? And I look at Josh Green, but correct me if I'm wrong here. Wouldn't he fall under the poison pill?
2: Yeah, he's poison pilled. Yeah, yeah. So that makes it hard to move him, right? Uh, Omax, uh, O-Max. Prosper, like maybe he, you know, I, I would probably do that in lieu of a second first round pick just because I think that I like Omax Prosper. I think the chances of him ever being as good as Kyle Kuzma are. Probably fairly low, so sure. he's and he's not going to be the same player. Obviously, he's a very different kind of player. So I'm, I'm all right with that. Like if that's the direction they wanted to go, where well, let's plug him in there. And I and I saw some Wizards fans uh, responses to those things were, well, we need Derek Lively. Well, that's not happening. Like that's yeah, you I'm know not that's Lively. not going to be a thing. So get that out of here. And you're probably going to have to take you back, Rashawn Holmes or maybe uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. But the Wizards are, they signaled in the Marvin Bagley trade. This is not a quick fix for us. We're willing to take money into next year. Mm-hmm. We're to operate as an over the cap team. Just pay us to do it. And I think you take on Rashawn Holmes and Prosper maybe, and that gets you close. You probably have to take one more guy in there. And then now we're moving in a direction where, all right, this makes some sense I and mean, we could probably get something done. But we'll see. My guess is this probably doesn't happen. But I think it at least opens up the idea of Kyle Kuzma is probably available if a team really wants to make the right offer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's probably true of most of the Wizards players.
2: Yeah. I think everybody, I, there was a report today, I which I was looking for, and I can't find who tweeted it. Basically, it came out, it's everybody but Bilal Kulabali. Yeah, Like I saw that as it, well. you want anybody else? We're open for business, but we're not trading below cool Bali. And that makes a lot of sense. He, him. And I, and I think the other guy, I'm not by any means suggesting he's untradeable or untouchable. Um, Corey Kispert. I would probably try to keep if I was Washington, just because you've got a couple more years on his rookie scale deal. And then mm-hmm. I will say Denny Avdia is essentially untradeable just because of the poison pill uh, provision. So that's, that's, Kind of takes him off the table right now, but really, truly untouchable player. That's that's uh, Kulavali.
1: All right. Uh, we talked about the Knicks a little bit already, but the Hawks, Grizz, Jazz, Rockets, all teams that have interest in Quentin Grimes. I um, think he's getting moved.
2: I think he goes somewhere. I think so. Yeah, I think I, if it's not now, it's going to be this summer for sure. I think him and uh, Fournier, kind of that becomes the package plus one of those extra picks the Knicks are sitting on there's your trade offer package Mm -hmm. to go get somebody. I am fairly well convinced that if Fournier is not moved by the deadline, the Knicks will pick up their team option on him just to keep the trade options open with his salary. So I think, I think, I think that's probably where this heads, but Good chance, maybe this happens by the deadline. Probably in in a move where they bring in a veteran that can help them now. And Grimes is the hey, here's the young upside piece we can sell to our fans, and we'll play them thirty minutes a night after the deadline yeah. and see what it looks like.
1: All right, last thing we've got for today: the Pelicans are actually not interested in moving Herb Jones, contrary to other reports, which yeah. makes more sense. I mean, they did just sign him to that contract this last summer. I think he's on a pretty team-friendly deal for what he provides. Yes, you can be concerned about, you know, are there issues in the playoffs because he doesn't provide a lot on the offensive end of the floor or not quite as much as you would hope. Sure, are there, you know, you've got to deal with re-signing Trey Murphy. There's that situation. But Herb Jones is still a really good player. One of the better wing defenders in the NBA. So it makes sense to me that the Pelicans would say, yeah, let's, let's, let's hang on to this guy.
2: Yeah, it's he's like the antithesis to Austin Reeves, where he's the defensive version of the same contract, where Reeves is the offensive version of the same contract. These guys are making below mid-level money. I, I get it. The Pelicans cap sheet, it's weird. If you look at it right now, you're like, it's not that bad. They got out of uh, Kyra Lewis's contract. Mm-hmm. They're under the luxury tax. Yeah, and then next year you got to re-sign Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas. You've got some other stuff to work out. Zion's on a max. CJ McCollum makes a ton of money. Trey Murphy, uh, the third, is coming up to be paid. So it is getting very messy there in New Orleans, and they're going to have to do something at some point. But Herb Jones is, to me, that's not the something. You, You gave him the max you could give him as an early bird free agent, same as Austin Reeves got. Uh, outside of if there had been an offer sheet and matching and all the stuff that didn't happen for either guy. So I think with with Jones, you gave him that with the idea of not, well, things are really messy, satirized. We're going to have to trade you six months later. I think you gave it to him with the idea of, now you're a big part of this and that contract fits almost no matter how expensive we get. That's going to continue to be a value contract. Because for my money, I don't know if there's a better wing defender in the league night to night than him game to game, possession of possession. Sure. Like Kawhi can still bring it when he needs to. I mean, we've seen LeBron still summons it when he needs to, mm-hmm. but they're not doing it 82 games a year anymore. Those guys are maybe amping up the defense 35, 40 games a year now, and then we'll see what they do come playoff time, but that's fine. That's where they're at in their careers. Jones brings it every single night. So i I I get now this report way more than the idea that he really was somebody they were looking at. Yeah, if somebody says, Hey, what do you want to do? Four first round picks and three swaps for Herb Jones. And the Pelicans are probably like, Okay, sure. sure. You know, I mean, right. that's the whole everybody's available for the right price. Uh, Ted DiBiase, right? Everybody has a price, but it's, uh, you know, that's it's just not probably not going to be a thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, very similar, like you said, to Austin Reeves, where is he really untouchable? No, but if a team is like, for what teams are likely to offer, like you're not going to have a team calling up the Pelicans and saying, "Hey, here's everything you want for Herb Jones." Like that's yeah. not going to happen. So just realistically, he's not a guy you're going out there trying to move or anything like that. If the Bucks call up the Pelicans and say, "Hey, you guys in- interested in Giannis?" I'm sure Herb Jones
2: is available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure the Pelicans are. Hey, Herb, pack your bags, buddy. You're headed <laughs> to Milwaukee. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, yeah. I mean. In in on the flip side, if the bucks call up and say, hey, how about Pat Connaughton, the Pelicans are gonna be like, how about no way? See you yeah. later, right? Like it's it, yeah, it's there are, there are guys who are hard to trade because their contract stinks. There's a the guys who are hard to trade because they're poison pilled. There's guys who are hard to trade because they're really good and on-value contracts and their teams don't want to give them up. So that that makes them really hard to acquire uh, from from a team. So it's just you know there's all different situations, and I again just because it works in the trade machine doesn't mean it actually works in real life. Like you play, I can I could we could sit here for the next three hours coming up with workable Herb Jones trades and trade machines, and all of them are ones the Pelicans would probably say no, not interested too. So that's just gives you a sense of where that goes.
1: How many times do you use that phrase over the next few weeks?
2: Uh, I don't know. We have at least what, 15 more shows. So probably somewhere between 10 and 20.
1: I, I don't know. I mean, on a daily, like how many times do you have to tell people? That, like, oh,
2: oh yeah. Like with and, all
1: the, Cause, oh, cause yeah. you get like, I get a lot of people throwing trades at me. Like, what do you think about this trade? What do you think about that trade? I know you get even more than I do.
2: I don't answer so, them on Twitter. So just I, I, right. full disclosure, if anybody is like, Hey, I sent you a trade. Can you look at it on Twitter? I'm not going to. Cause it just, then it opens the floodgates. And then for the next three hours it's, Hey, evaluate this fake trade for me. And and then I get start getting really frustrated because the values are crazy or worse than that. It's like, that guy has a trade restriction or this, whatever trade machine you're using is broken. Like that guy's not even on the roster anymore and things like that. And then I just get really mad. And it's like, it's, it, and I don't need to introduce that stress to my life. So no. there's two, two things I'm going to repeat. A lot. It'll be that on here on any radio hit I do is just because it works in the trade machine doesn't mean it works in real life. And then, in about two-ish weeks when we start talking about buyouts, even more, I will repeat probably quite often that guy is more name than game because yep. it just means he's, do you he recognize the name? but he really can't play anymore. And that's probably why he's on the bio market and, and good luck. You know, if you want to go that way and then we'll talk a lot more about buyouts and everything as we get closer to that time, because we got all the new bio rules and all that other stuff, which we would have already been talking by now about, well, teams aren't going to trade for this guy because they'll
1: just it's go gonna get bought out. on
2: the buyout market while well, the rules have changed quite a bit especially for the teams that probably would be most interested in some of those guys on the buyout market but that's that's another topic for another day
1: absolutely yep that's something we can certainly get into maybe even as soon as on, on tomorrow's show but lots going on around the nba you never know when news is going to break so once again make sure you subscribe to the front office channel here on youtube don't forget to turn on those notifications as well and do us a favor, tell a friend, just add one more thing to your checklist of things to do. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, we sure do appreciate that. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,